love one another and you still fight for one another and you still serve one another, are you ready for church today? I'm just going to, okay. I, I hope you give some yeses and amens. If you haven't realized, we are a church that believes that participation is important. And uh, if you aren't that person yet, notice the key word in that sentence, yet. And uh, we will be that people. We will be that church that people walk in and go, oh, oh, oh. I don't just sit here and let someone else do it. I want to be part of this thing. And we've got, we've got, you know, 30 people every Sunday who wake up every morning, get here, set up, and they are part of it. And it is so cool to see that. And um, if you don't know, I, my name is Brandon, and my wife and I pastor what we believe is such an awesome church and uh, have a vision to see Jesus on every street and in every heart. And that does not just mean it's some kind of outreach program. What that really means is that you and I become empowered to live like Christ on every street and in every heart. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you minister to your neighborhood or whether you work every Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and you minister to your workplace, or whatever it is, or you've got a gifting and a skill that you take into the world, we want you to take it to whatever street you live on, work on, and play on, and do something with it. Amen? Because we believe that's the greatest thing we could ever do. We could do outreaches, and we do outreaches, and they're fantastic. But you know our greatest outreach plan? of the, Like, it's the greatest plan. I tell you, man, Jesus hit it right on the head. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? That is it. Go into all the world and make disciples. Like there is no, like there was no, like I don't know if you know this, but Jesus goes, hey, y'all, guys, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, cool. So what is the plan? That is the plan. Yeah, I know, but what do I do? Like do I do a church service? Do I do like a, do I hand out? Like what do I do? Just tell them about me. Wherever you go and wherever you are, we tend to complicate things, don't we? And so I want to know that if you are new to this place, we want you to be a person empowered and encouraged and equipped to do what you're called to do. Amen? And, uh, and that's why we do dinner parties, because they are not just meant to be holy huddles of people who just talk about their Christian problems. They are meant to be places where people can get around the table from differing places and differing points of view and talk about Jesus still. Amen? And, uh, and so uh, I just find that sharing a meal will really just, like, I'll talk to, G- to you about Jesus if, if we'll have food together. Like, that's good. I, I can do that. And so I am, uh, I'm just super excited. Come on, let's celebrate the fact that we have a new venue, a new building, a new home. Isn't that awesome? And uh, I, I just, I really do believe, and it's, it's one thing to believe, it's a whole other thing to act, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this week, but, um, you know, it's, uh, we just, we, I just believe God's going to do something really cool in this space, and I believe God's going to do that. I, I know a few guys who are planting churches and, and had lunch with a, another guy who does a, a thing called the Fort Worth Black House, if you know of it, had lunch with him this week, fantastic dude. Um, you know, these guys, there's people that just love the Lord and love this city, and I love that we are part of that, and uh, I know that we're going to see something really cool happen. And uh, are you guys part, anybody doing the 21 days of prayer? Uh, I hope you're joining in with that and uh, checking out our Instagram. In fact, this morning, I don't think we posted it yet. Brandon Sharber wrote our devotional for today. Um, I got the guy back here that you never get to uh, hear talk, but you listen to him play. Um, he wrote it this morning. Yesterday was Luke Culp over here writing uh, an incredible, like way better than anything I've written. Um, and his dad and his, his mom wrote something just several days ago. So hopefully you're following along on that. I just, I think that's awesome. And I just want to see all of our giftings uh, play out in this church and in, uh, in our community. And Because, it, like, the church isn't a place, it's a people. Amen? Yeah. 
And uh, the only reason uh, the, the building became important is because people were getting reached for Jesus and they needed somewhere to go to meet up. And so it's really about the people. Let's not forget that. All right, let's jump into our Uphill Habits uh, series. Let's get into the next part of it. I do want to mention on our 21 Days of Prayer this week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Everybody say Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We will be doing live prayer. It's our last week, so we want to do a little bit of a push here. So on Monday and Wednesday and Friday at 11.30 a.m., uh, we will jump on live on Instagram. And I, you might have to sign up for an account. So you might have to do that uh, on our C3 Fort Worth page. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, um, we'd love for you to join in with us. And if you want to text, even right now, you can do this, and I won't judge you. If you want to text 21 days to 555-888. 555-888, just 21 days to 555-888, and you can get the last seven days of our uh, devotional. I know several of you guys have been doing that, and uh, it's great. Uh, we've been in an Uphill Habits series, and uh, we are um, going to wrap it up next week, and then the next week, the next month after that, we haven't decided on a series title because we've got two really good options, but we're going to talk about love, sex, marriage, and male and female, I, and how God pulls all that together. And so I think that's going to generate some interesting conversations. Um, and so many times church tends to focus on what it knows and because we are afraid of debate or discussion. And uh, we just aren't that way. I'd much rather have a church that deals with difficult things even if they don't get all the answers. But they're willing to press into what God says about things while they discover new things. And so we're, I'm going to tell you that's going to be a series you want to invite some friends to uh, because I, I, we will talk about it. And I think it's actually really, really important right now in our culture, wouldn't you say, to talk about what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman, what it is to be uh, married, what it is to, to have sex and when you have sex and who you have sex with and what romance looks like and all those different things. How many of you know that seems to be a fairly important topic in our lives? And uh, whether you're married or not, it will apply. And uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm also a little bit anxious about it because it's going to be big and a big discussion. Uh, and then in, uh, and after that, we'll, talk, we'll do a little series on John the Baptist. Is there ever, ever, anyone ever heard a series on John the Baptist? I feel like that's not one that gets mentioned a lot. Maybe it's the locust and honey thing that scares people away. But, um, but we're going to talk about John the Baptist as we get ramping up towards Easter on April 1st, Sunday, April 1st, which is also right around the time that we launched C3 Fort Worth a year year ago. So I'm excited. Y'all excited? So we've been in this uphill habits series because we all have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. And God has desires for you, but desires usually require discipline. And it, and it is not just a Christian thing. So many times people look at Christians and go, well, you're just all about the rules and regulations. No, we're about the disciplines and the habits that build a life that is pleasing to the Lord and according to his good and pleasing and perfect will. And every time you say you're going to work out, guess what? You're talking about rules and regulations. But really what you're saying is disciplines and habits that achieve the desires and hopes that I want in my life. Right? So if you had a favorite football team and all they ever did was play on Sunday but never practiced on Monday, then you probably would be frustrated with them. Why? Because they're not doing the disciplines that are required for them to have the outcome they want. Habits are not bad things. And so many times we make habits boring. Right? Like, I got to brush my teeth. That's a good habit. Do that. We'll talk about that in our relationship series. <laughs> right? Like, brush your teeth. Good. Deodorant, check. Like, do all that. And when you get married, keep doing it. Jeez. 
Like, throw away all the clothes you looked good in. Like, keep those. I'm, I married you. to. Di-. Anyways, we'll talk about that later. And, and uh, uh, we, we got these habits. We tend to make them boring. But what if one of your habits was every week tell someone about Jesus? That's a bit challenging. Maybe every day meet somebody new. That's like, oh. Maybe, maybe another habit would be find something that makes you small. Find something that makes you realize this is not all about you. I know that's not one you're going to like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely do that, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's a, every year, do something I've never done before. Maybe every three months, go hiking, because I don't even like hiking, but I need to do something I've never done before. We make habits so boring sometimes, but there's actually an opportunity there to create some new things in our life that really cause us to, to increase our capacity, increase who we are. And, and we talked about this. Habits are the framework within which God works and breathes into our life. And so Jesus had a habit of withdrawing so that he could speak to his father. That was a habit. doesn't sound, but that's as spiritual as anything else. Go, make a space, shut the door, and let God speak. That's a habit so he can speak. God is looking for us to develop routines. We talked about this the last couple weeks. If you were going to go sign up for a trainer, a personal trainer, one of the first things they would ask you is, how long are you willing to commit to this? Because they are not interested in just showing you a couple good routines, like a couple good workouts. What they really want to make sure of is that you're willing to work through the process and do the time and actually put into place a routine that actually builds what you're talking about. Right? So you can work out one day, and that does not make you any stronger. It just makes you sore. And so sometimes the reason we are actually frustrated in our walk and frustrated in the way we are in where we are in life is not because we did one thing and it didn't result, but we, we, we are actually sore because we didn't keep doing it. The only way to get unsore is to either quit or keep going. And if you keep going, then you actually get a result. And then you can look at when you were sore and go, that was worth it. And habits are interesting because they start with effort, but they end with effortless motion. You, 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 when you create a habit, all of a sudden what was at one time an effort, you had to put effort into it. It becomes something that is actually most likely more effortless than before. And you, you've actually trained yourself to do And so many of us have habits that we wake up with. And they, some guys will say 50%, some guys will say 90% of what you do in your day and what your day ends up becoming is built upon habits you've already formed. It's already decided before you even wake up because of the habits that you have created in your life. That's pretty big, isn't it? But, if, but here's the good news. If habits can form what you already are, then habits can also transform what you will be. And so you have an opportunity today to go, what do I hope for? What do I desire? Then let me put some disciplines and routines and rhythms in my life that actually allow me to go towards those things. Are you with me? And so we, we chose this verse uh, last year. We got a couple verses. And, and towards the end of last year, we read out of John 15. Verses 4 through 5, and I just want to read these now because I think these are important and will give you a, a bit of an idea of um, what's important for us, what my, my biggest hope for us, and really why uh, we wanted to talk through this 
this month. John 15 says, remain in me. Now, if you were to look through several different translations, you would end up with, with several different words. Words like abide, dwell, stay, live. And in fact, one translation, one of my favorite translations, like the message translation before it existed, this guy named J.B. Phillips, he said, grow in me as I grow in you. And so, so this idea is not just to simply wait, but to, Scott wrote a, a great devotional last week in our, in our 21 days, and he talked about the fact that waiting, so many times we can confuse that with stopping. And, and, but, but what God talks about in this verse is that we would, if we would remain and abide in him, we would also continue to grow. And so while there is waiting in his presence, there is also motion in his presence, and that we are people who, in our waiting, continue to move. And so it is, not a, it is not a motionless waiting. It is actually an, a point-transforming uh, type of waiting that continues to grow in us and continues to shape us. And so this is really our hope, that we would be people who bear much fruit, but we do that by abiding and growing and dwelling and waiting and remaining in him. And, and that, it's not even fair because Jesus basically says, if you want to bear fruit, you have to stay with me. He, he basically says, you're going to have a relationship with me whether you like it or not. Isn't that cool that God built into every command a relationship? I mean, even that's kind of what feeds us into the next part of our verse, right? It is in Mark chapter 12, the greatest command, the highest hope. They were sitting there debating all these different commands and all these different things that should or should not be done. And can you do this? And can you do that? Which is what we tend to do, right? We tend to be people who go, can I do this? Can I not do this? I'm not really sure. What's the line, right? We were having a team up with someone who said, well, she just keeps pushing the limits. And I said, that's what kids are supposed to do, push the limits. And her little daughter was running around and it was awesome like I'm okay with it now I got two little ones that run around and I'm okay with it because I want other parents to be okay with it when my kids run around right and uh and that's what and we tend to be people as children of God we kind of tend to be people who go is this right is this wrong and then we kind of get as close as we can to that edge instead of going wait this is about relationship the greatest desire of God is that we would know him and so in Mark chapter 12 he says this to us. In Mark chapter 12, he says to us, love the Lord. This is his answer to what is the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? He's like, there's no real, you know, kind of hidden part to that. It, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Like, it isn't even like 70% of your heart, 22% of your soul, 98% of your mind, and 100%. No, he says all of all of those things. But, he, but again, it's all, it's all built upon this word love, right? That what we love is really what's driving our habits. And you can usually uh, find out what someone loves by what they do first and what they do most. And here's the challenge about that. What we, uh, what we do first and what we do most, the habits we have both reveal the, who we are in our heart, but it also shapes it. So it's, in one hand, you can go, well, they obviously love these things, but it also, because it's a habit now, it begins to shape those things. And so you, if you love it and you continue to do it, then it begins to even more shape your heart towards it. And so it's why it's so important for us to understand that discipline matters and, and routine matters and rhythm matters. And it's not unspiritual to talk about those things. And so we've tried to build some habits based upon this great command. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything you have. And the word today we're going to talk about is the second one. Love the Lord your God with all your 
soul. Everybody say soul. You can't even say that without like just like really believing in it, right? Like you, like just saying the word makes it soul. Like you can't even just soul. You can't do that. You can't, you can, you can get away with heart and mind and strength, but the moment you say soul, you like, you, you, you take a little longer, your body moves a little bit, you didn't even mean to, but your head like just kind of turns, soul, you know, like you just, you just, oh yeah, like soul, and there's something about it, and, and really, truly, that is, in so many ways, the best definition you'll get of the word soul. I mean it, because if you were to Google, I know, this is the one place where Google will not help you. If you look up what does the word soul mean in the Bible, have fun with that. Get at me in six weeks, and you will have a little bit of an idea of what the word means. I'm going to do my best in the next 20 minutes to give you an idea of what this word soul means. You know, heart, we can kind of go, yeah, what we love, what we think about. We talked about even last week, though, we tend to think heart is just what we have affection towards, but it's also what we think about. Because in, in, in Hebrew tradition, it would not have just simply been what you, what you have affection for. It would have actually been your whole inner man, so even your thoughts. And we talked about this, that if you say to your spouse, oh, sorry, I just didn't think about that, you're not actually just saying, I didn't engage my mind. Well, you're actually, and, and you all know this, because when someone says it to you, you immediately think, well, you just didn't care enough. So a heart thinks. And so when, when, we, when we go love the Lord God with all your heart, it is meant not just to engage your, your love and your heart, but to engage your mind. And that's why, that's why when, you, when you get in arguments, because one of you said, oh, I just didn't think about it. You, you didn't what? <laughs> no, I mean, I just didn't think about it. It's not a big deal. Do you know what I'm talking about? Everybody here knows what I'm talking about. If a friend of yours goes, I, I don't know, you, I just didn't think about it. I hate you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, it goes bad really quickly. And so we, we read these words, and we have this assumption that we know what they mean. And for many of us, we would think of the word soul, and we would think of this eternal part of us. And while in many ways that is true, it is also not complete. And so I want to talk about the fullness of this word, because it's a big Word. In fact, the word in Hebrew, so in the Old Testament, would have been the word nefesh. Everybody say nefesh. I like soul better, but, you know, whatever. And uh, this word nefesh, it's 700 times you find it in the Old Testament. The, 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 the New Testament Greek, we would have find this word uh, suke. And uh, that was nice, but, but soul is mentioned 700 times in the Old Testament. And if you want to, you, look, there's all kinds of resources you can look up, um, there's a great one called The Bible Project. They did a little series on the soul. And uh, after three sessions or three podcasts, they still don't have a good answer for you. That's great. And uh, thanks for the help. I listened to the whole thing. thought you'd give me a big, you know. And, um, but this word nefesh actually is translated a multitude of ways. And I want to I walk you through something that I tend to do when I don't understand a verse or, or, or I just feel like I'm not quite getting all of the verse. Anybody know that feeling? Like you feel like you got some of it, but there's just like there's something not quite there about this verse. Anybody? Nobody? You guys are all just scholars. Okay, cool. And um, i got to give you time to answer. I'm sorry. And, um, and I, this is what I tend to do. I, I, have a, I have a couple websites that I would go to 
or, or a couple different Bible translations. It's why you love me when I come in here with one that you thought I was going to use all the time, and I change it up. You love me for that. And, uh, but what I tend to do is I go, and I, if I don't fully understand a verse or quite get all of it, I'll go and read it out of multiple translations. And the reason is, is because what m- people are trying to do when they're translating is they're trying to take a word that doesn't exist in the English language and figure out how to say it in the English language. And, and, and so what you find in different translations is them not saying different things, but trying to say as much of the thing as, as they can. Does that make sense? So, so, the, the, so soul is kind of one of these words that is bigger than any word we have in English. And in fact, many times it's never, it's not translated, nefesh is not translated as soul, but we say it that way many times. And so I want to just go through an exercise with you, if you would allow me to, and just talk a little bit about a couple key verses that use this word soul. All right, and we're going to put them on the screen, and then I'm just going to mention a couple other translations that say it differently. So Matthew 16, 26, maybe you've heard this one. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Now listen to another translation. It says, what will you gain if you own the whole world but destroy yourself? Another translation says like this. For what shall man be profited if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his life? So here's this word soul that we've all said it that way before. What good does he gain the whole world if he forfeits his soul? And other translations would say if he forfeits his life. And in other translations would be forfeit his being or forfeit who he is or forfeit his life or forfeit his self. And when you say the word life, when, you know, David in the Psalms says they're chasing me, pursuing my nephesh, his life. He's not differentiating between his wealth or, or, or his personality or, or, or his giftings or, or, or his purpose. He's saying all of it. So now you see why one word is difficult. Okay, let's read a couple other translations. I'm just trying to confuse all of us. We're going to say amen and get out of here. All right. Psalm 19.7 says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. I love that God links reviving and instruction in the same sentence. Sometimes we think obedience makes us a burden, but I actually think it sets us free. That's the whole purpose of God's grace towards us. The Amplified says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the whole person. Okay? Soul is then translated whole person. Another translation says the instructions of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. And then the other one, a Lord's instruction is perfect, reviving one's very being. Are you guys getting the hint here? Are you guys getting the point? Okay, I'm going to keep going, though, because I think this is good, and I prepared it, so I just don't want to skip it, right? Psalm 23, a verse we would all have heard before. He leads me beside still waters, verse 3. He refreshes and restores my soul. Right? But in the Amplified translation, it says things like life. In other translations, it says he restores my self. Psalm 42.1. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul. Anybody start to sing it? Did anybody start to sing it? Anybody grow up in church? Don't sing it. You're going to betray yourself. You thought you were hip. As a deer pants. Stop it. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I, so I long for you. Just like a deer that craves streams of water, my whole being craves you. See, it's bigger than you thought. It's not just some deep inner part of me. It's that deep inner part of me affecting all of me. 
It's that, it's that what gets inside actually makes its way out here. So where heart can mean affection, soul most likely means devotion. That there's something I am now, I have an affection for it, and now my life is showing devotion for it. Because if you look up the word devotion, it doesn't just mean an internal thing. It means that you've actually orchestrated or, or originated, put your life in order around what you love. So the soul is this big word. And in fact, in the Old Testament, it, may, it says it a bunch of different ways, and I'm, I'm just going to read a few more that we've already, some of them we've already read. Soul, living being, life, self, person, desire, appetite, emotion, passion, and get this, you want to know another one? Throat. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. Nefesh can be translated throat. Now you might go, well, that's, <laughs> that seems a little weird, and, uh, and it does. But if you begin to realize that the throat is where you breathe and where you eat, right, and where you speak, it represents a lot of who you are. Your throat closes up. There's a whole lot of things that go bad for you, right? And so, so again, it's this idea that this is this is just so much bigger. It's why we should be people who love the word. Man, we are led by the Holy Spirit, but he teaches us through his word, right? So the, the, one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate what Jesus has already said. So the whole purpose many times is what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to do is to remember what Jesus has already said. And here he is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I think it unlimits us because I think if we have had this idea that it's just this eternal part of us that when we die floats to heaven, while that might, again, while that might be partially true, if we do that, what we end up doing is propagating this, uh, this myth of the divide between the sacred and the secular. If the soul is part of us that's eternal but hidden and over there somewhere and is affected by stuff, but then we begin to think that when we go to work on a Monday, it doesn't really matter because we have this eternal part that's going to go away someday. And no, but if, if the soul, if the soul is something that both affects our inner being and our outer, then all of a sudden everything adds value. And all of a sudden, everything we do has value. So the conversations we have, the places we go, the work we do, the family we raise, the friends we hang out with, all of those things have value because our soul causes a devotion and something to shift in who we are. And so what we're saying here is the word soul, for many of us, is smaller than it should be. It's not quite to the level that it should be. We don't want to live a disembodied existence. We want to live a fully embodied existence where what is in my heart and my affection makes its way into my soul because my soul contains my heart and my soul would then find devotion in my life. It's why when we talk about someone, and I mentioned this to the worship team uh, today, um, it's why when we talk about someone having soul, you ever heard someone sing with soul? You know what I'm talking about? Like one of my favorite temptation songs. Oh, it's the one, I'm not even, I don't even remember what it's called, but I love it. It's one of my favorite bands. They're not even a band. They're one of my favorite groups ever, Temptations. Right? I know you want to leave, but I refuse to let you go. I have to beg and plead for the sympathy. I don't mind. Cause you, but now here's, listen, listen. Listen, that is, my heart is beating so fast right now. 
Listen, let me just, but let me, let me just tell you something. Here's, I'm not even lying. I do not sing. Don't make me. Okay, here's the thing. You can't sing that song. You know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. You can't. It's not allowed. You are not allowed to sing like that. When you say you, someone sings with soul, what do you mean? It means that you know you want to leave, but I refuse. You can't help but get everything else involved. To love the Lord my God with all my heart and all my soul is to say, I'm going to get every part of who I am involved in loving him. Come on, I know you're hearing me, and I know you're not used to someone yelling all the time, but this is how I am. And I need you to be with me on this, because we are going to be a church that participates, because we got soul. And so when we're singing up here and we're worshiping, we aren't just going to let these people get soul because we've got soul. In fact, we don't just got soul. We are soul. We are nefesh. We are people who our whole existence and everything we are is meant to be lived towards the creator, meant to be lived towards a God who is greater and stronger and bigger and larger and loving and full of life and hope and of purpose and a vision for us. That's the God we serve. So when, when someone tells you it's just not my personality, well, I don't want you all to look the same and do everything the same. And you don't have to be as crazy and weird as me when worship music comes on. I get it. I'm fine with that. But I just believe your personality is not, is not the leading voice in your life. So many times we allow our personality to determine or affect our purpose or our posture. Well, it's just not my personality. Well, why don't you subject your personality to the posture that God wants for you and to the purpose God has for you and make your personality figure itself out? It might look a little wonky and confused and awkward for a season, but our soul, everything about who we are, is meant to love the Lord. And so when we say you've got soul, what we mean is everything about you sings that song. Everything about you lives that life. Everything about you is involved in loving Jesus. That's a big word, isn't it? All of a sudden, it's not just relegated to this heart thing, which is my affections and what I love. And, but when I, when I say I love something, it's going to work out from my affections into my devotion and what I do and who I am and what I'm saying and the relationships I have. And, and there's got to be. And so really what we, what maybe a great definition for this. And let me just, I love this. It's a great book. And I would encourage all of you to read it. I think, especially if you're in high pressure jobs or high pressure situations. But I think in general, the soul is one of those, because it's been misunderstood is often one of those places in our lives we don't take care of the way we should. To love the Lord your God with all your soul means to love him in the way we live, in the choices we make, and the behavior and lifestyle we adopt. And this book is called uh, Soul Keeping. I just encourage all of you to get it. It is not a practical one, two, three, do this Monday, do this Tuesday. It is a let's just get ourselves in a place where we understand our whole being is made for who he is. In fact, Deuteronomy 4.29 kind of shows this. He says, but from there, you will search for the Lord your God, and you will find him when you seek him with all your heart and all your soul, with all your affection and with all your devotion. Now, again, some of you are going to put pressure on yourself. You're going to immediately begin to think, I just got to change this and I got to change that. And in some sense, that is true. 
But what we're trying to do is build into our lives things that right now might take some effort, but soon will be effortless because we begin to understand through those exercises and through those habits and through those disciplines and through those routines how much more life there really can be. Like if you're a trainer and you're doing personal training and you are exercising and at some point it should begin to become something you want to do. Why? Because you've realized there are benefits and you've realized it actually allows you to live life at a different place and in a different way and at a different level. And so while at times this can feel a little bit burdensome because there's some effort pushed into it, at some point it's going to become something where your affections turn into your devotion. And when you begin to work those things out consistently and regularly and habitually and with discipline and with consistency, all of a sudden those things begin to turn your life into a different thing. So we seek him with all that we are. I love the soul keeping book says it really, really well. And I, 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 I've, I've never really found a, a definition that is, um, a, a definition that's better. And uh, I can't give you the perfect definition, but I think this does a pretty good job. When my will is consistently, free, freely, joyfully aligned with what I most deeply value, my soul finds rest. That is wholeness. When I live with half-hearted devotion, my soul is always strained. I don't know if you, maybe you've ever felt that strain. When, have you ever, you ever thought something you should do, but you can't seem to get your body to do it? You know what I'm saying? Or your heart takes over, and so your feelings start to mess with your thoughts, and then your body is trying to decide which one it's supposed to listen to. You get out of sync. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody buy a new phone and try to sync up all your music, and not the computer has it, but your phone doesn't have it, and you don't know what to do, and you're, somehow your spouse has all your music, but you don't have it on yours. Like, what is, and you just can't get everything synced up. Anybody, nobody knows what I'm talking about. The soul, the best way to say it is it syncs up your actions, your will, and your mind, and it syncs everything up. And your soul is at best when it syncs every part of your life together. That's where your soul needs to be. In fact, let's go back to the soul music illustration. If you were to look up the definition of soul music, in fact, let me just read it to you because I I just want you to trust me here. Of course, I could be making it up to you. It doesn't matter. But let me just read it to you. Soul music combines elements of African-American gospel music, rhythm, blues, and jazz. Even the definition of the music we call soul hints at the definition of the word we read in the Bible. That is, this the coming together of all that we are to make something incredible, to make something special. It is why when you sing soul music, you can't help but move because you're trying to figure out which genre of music you are actually in right now. And you don't have to clap or step or move, and you're just going to let your body do what it does because it's coming from somewhere deeper than just what someone told you to do. That's why soul music is so endure and endearing to us because you know nobody taught them. Oh, yeah, yeah that's my dance move. I don't even know what that was. Uh, that was more like an army. I don't even. We don't videotape our sermons yet. Yeah. <laughs> But you, oh, Nate videotaped that. Thank you. Awesome. We, 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 don't, we know that's not been choreographed. Nobody sat down with them and said, hey, you need to, like, do this and then do this and then do this. When that beat hits, do this. No, when you got soul music, you just sing. And wherever your body takes you, you go. And I think God wants us to live with that kind of effortless life. 
I think God wants us to rest so fully in him that our life goes where God goes. And our life is in sync so well that when we move, we move all of us. And we haven't left our brain at the door. We haven't left our heart over here. And we haven't left our body confused as to what it's supposed to do. Where are you feeling divided? Where are you feeling less whole? Where are those places in your life that you have kind of checked some things at the door and, and you're feeling the strain of what you believe and yet what you do? Paul dealt with that, didn't he? He writes about that in the Bible. What I, what I know I should do, I don't do. And we get out of sync in our life. And God wants us to love us, love him with all of who we are, with every synced up part so that we can live freely. So that we can live all, with all of who we are. So there's not one part that's hanging out in the back room. God wants us to be brought together so well that we are in sync. We are in sync with him. And that's what we want for all of our life. Wholeness, integrity, where everything lines up, right? I mean, that's what we want in everything we do in life. Every car, we want all the pieces to work. Every bridge we cross, we want to make sure every screw is working with every beam and with every, we want to make sure it's all working together. We want wholeness. We want integrity on everything. And why wouldn't we want the same thing in our life? Because that means it is stronger and it is working properly. So I just want to give you a few habits. Because it's cool to give you a big word and go, hey, soul's more than you thought. Great, awesome. I want to give you some habits that I think would help with your soul, with bringing things into alignment. First one is this, and they won't all start with the same letter. This one does. Slow down and shut off. Sometimes our mind is so racing that we can't ever get in sync with what we love because we're just so busy. Or our body is constantly in motion. and we, we just tend to reward busyness these days. It's really, it's a shame because busyness does not mean anything. It just means you're doing stuff and, and you're never focusing on who you are. Uh, slow down and shut off. Figure it out. Figure out a rhythm. Maybe once a month, take a day. Maybe once a week, shut things off for the morning. Don't let, you know, you know it's amazing what happens when we shut off the TV in our house and just turn on some music. All of a sudden, my kids are playing. They're like enjoying life. And not every time. But it changes the dynamic of the place. When we slow down and shut off. And I think that's the rhythm how God created us, is to work for six days and rest for one. How crazy would it be to bring the Sabbath back into our lives? Not in some legalistic way, but in a way for us to shut down and allow all of us to rest. To not do any paid work or unpaid work. Man, Friday night, 6 o'clock, shut off all your phones, shut off all the stuff, and just do whatever you want for 24 hours. Saturday night, 6 o'clock, shut it all back on. I promise you, we'll be way more refreshing than looking at Instagram. I just, I'm just saying. Slow down, shut off. In other words, ask yourself this question. Is God here right now? Is he involved in this moment? If you'll slow down enough to ask that question, you will find yourself much more refreshed. Second one is this. Live with worship and wonder. Live with worship and wonder. Slow down, shut off, and then live in a constant state of worship and wonder. It's why I think church is important. It's why I think coming together is important. Because I believe we're meant to be people who gather together and worship the Lord. And worship our creator. Where can you find yourself? I was talking with a guy from uh, Fort Worth Blackhouse, a great guy, a guy named Noel, and uh, just really enjoyed lunch. It helped that we both love California, and uh, it helped that we both love skateboarding, and it helped that all these things, right? And, uh, and then we got to talk about Jesus, and then that was like, that was it. And um, we're talking about uh, standing on the, on the beach, looking out at the ocean, 
and how, how small you feel in those moments, how much bigger the world gets to you. And so many times we can get so uh, myopic, we can get so like just zoned in on what we're dealing with that we forget about all these things. In fact, there's a whole book written by a guy named Paul David Tripp who writes about uh, awe and wonder. And our number one issue in life is our awe factor. That we just, we just don't, we are not in awe of anything anymore. We're just waiting for people to fail. We're just waiting so we can post it online. So we can take a picture of that. And we don't post anything that's inspiring anymore. I want to encourage you. What, what, and not to make you feel small as in insignificant, but small enough that you look upward. Small enough that you go, oh, God, this is so much bigger than I thought. This, what I'm dealing with right now is not, is not bigger than you are. It's not bigger than who you are and what you've done. Third one is this. Forgive quickly and be thankful. Some of us are divided because we still have a part of our life reserved for being angry with somebody. And I'll say it like this. You may walk into a room, and if a certain person is in that room, you change who you are. That is a divided life. It means you can't be the same in the room as you are outside the room. That's a divided life. Forgive quickly and be thankful always. What do you need to forgive? Where do you need to let go of some things so that you can walk whole, so that every part of you is engaged with what God wants to do in your life? And the last one is this. Listen and go. Listen and go. This one's a bit challenging. Um, I think obedience is a word we don't use enough. Where has God spoken where you've not taken action? Where have you heard him and just not made a move? Where are those places? And it might even be going back and going, who do I need to forgive? It might be, hey, what do I need to engage in? Where are those places God is speaking to you? It might be tomorrow afternoon when you're grabbing a coffee or you're having dinner or whatever, and you see someone and God goes, I need you just to just say hi. Just say hi, I'll take it from there. Where are those places where you could say something you don't? Where are those places God speaks to your heart where the Holy Spirit says go and we don't? Where are those places? Obedience goes a long way of bringing everything in sync. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going we're gonna to sing a song in a moment. Before we do that, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do a little exercise of soul in just a moment. Because I really want us to be people who live with soul, with every part of us. And I think the reason we gather like this to sing worship is not just because it's a good exercise and it's, it's great to do that and stuff. It's so that we can engage our whole self in lifting up the name of Jesus, in worshiping God, and making room for the Holy Spirit. It's engaging all of who we are. And so when you're worshiping, if you're checking your phone or you're looking at this thing or you're thinking about work or you're worried about this thing, man, shut that stuff off. And worship him. Engage every part of you to honor every part of him. And watch as your soul and your life is set free. Because it is your person. It is your body. It is your appetite. It is your passions. It is your life. It is yourself to love him with. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray. And then we're going to sing again. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. God, that you're showing us new things. That even this morning, there's many of us, the Holy Spirit, you've spoken some new things to. You have already opened up our eyes to some new ideas and some new ways of doing life. 
In fact, for some of us in this place, uh, for the very first time, we're getting to understand why we've felt this strain and why we've felt divided. It's because we have not synced up everything with you. And it's why in Corinthians, Paul writes that, behold, all things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God, you start us from a flesh, fresh place. Every part of us, new. Every part of us, new. And it happens through what Jesus did upon the cross. He came and died to make us whole, to make us completely his, to show us how much he fully loved us and how much we can fully love him and live our lives in such a way that we're free to be who we are called to be, every single part of us. And for some of us, we're hearing that for the first time. For some of us, we're going, oh, I forgot what that was like. I've been living this divided life. My dreams not surrendered. My, my relationships not fully surrendered. My, I've got these parts of my life that I'm keeping to myself. And everything about this command of loving the Lord your God with everything it is to surrender all. And to not be so self-dependent. But to depend on the Lord. Depend on God. To work in our lives. And watch us get free in who we are. To sing. Our life would be a song. Our life would be something that moves with our affections, that our devotions would line up and sync up. If that's you this morning, and you go, yeah, I, I, need to, I need to get everything in sync. And it's really not your job to start that. It's Jesus' job to start that. Jesus does that at the cross, and he renews you and redeems you and brings you new life. And then he says, if you seek me with all your heart and with all your soul, you'll find me. Yeah, this thing will work, I promise you. If you'll remain in me, you will bear much fruit. If that's you today and you go, yeah, I, I need to get everything lined up again. I need to trust God. I need to fully engage. I need to forgive. I need to shut some things down. I need to be thankful. God, I, I, I need to forgive. I need to move on. I need to just be obedient. I need to do what you've already told me to do. If that's you and you go, I just need to surrender all to who Jesus is. I'm going to ask you right now, just real quickly with a bit of boldness and courage to just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody in here, I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it up. Raise your hand high just for a moment. Thank you. I want to make sure I see everybody. Thank you. So good. You put your hands down. Anybody else, just real quickly. You go, yeah, I just, I want to, I want to surrender all this stuff to Jesus. Make you new. Start you over. God, we pray right now for every person who just raised their hand. God, I pray that all across this place, we'd celebrate the fact that people are giving everything. And I pray it would be an example to us. Those people who raised their hand would be an example to all of us of the desire and want to sync everything up, the desire and want to surrender everything we are. God, I pray that you would, even this week, begin to cause their life to move in a new way that their life would change, their life would be different, not just because they tried to do something of their own power, but because of your empowerment, because of who you are, they walk differently. Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up? Give God a shout for those people who just raised their hand. Come on.